We're continuing our series called Legacy. And I'm going to start off and read a scripture in 1 John chapter 2, verse 13. It says, I'm writing to you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And I write to you children, because you know the Father. So what's going on here? We see generations. What's he doing in this scripture? He's talking to generations, talking to people in different life stages, in different stages of growth, in different uh, levels of maturity. And that's what, what's happening here in this scripture for a variety of reasons. Um, I was, we were talking about this the other day around my house. Years ago, when uh, we lived in a different house than what we do now, but we had a basement, and some of the kids stayed in the basement. And one day I walked down, and I saw this sign to the entrance as you walked down the stairs that said, Welcome to Kidland. And uh, I walked down there, and come to find out, I didn't know all that was going on, but years later we began to hear about this, and we began to find out that they started to to create a whole world of how they operated. They had their own, I believe it's their own currency. They had their own uh, laws that operated. When you entered into Kidland, it, the laws were their laws. They had their own judicial system that happened. They had a president or a king of some sort down there. They had all this. I mean, they had a complete functioning society in the basement of my house, and I didn't even know about it, right? And one of the laws that was written, I guess, at some point and passed through the legislature uh, down there is that when you turn 13 years old, you are banished from Kidland forever. And so my son was talking about this the other day, and they all remember the day when he was banished from Kidland forever. And it sounds sad, right? It sounds sad. But it's actually, it was actually a very healthy thing. Why? Because there's, there's something healthy about growing up, right? There's something healthy about moving into different stages of our life. This may sound very simplistic to you today, but I want you to know in, in just the, the very simplest way, God wants you to grow in him. And I know that sounds oversimplistic. But, but here's why, and I've, I've shared this with you before and used this illustration, but I believe it's very helpful because we can see it represented in different stages in the natural, just like with my kids growing from one stage to the next, but the same is true in the spiritual. And so what I have here is I've got these chairs that represent different stages of our growth. And so the first one is you, you're basically a baby, okay? That's what this one is here. You're basically a baby. I don't know if an infant could sit on that or not, but... Uh, that's, that's one stage of growth. And these are people, when we come into Christ, it's basically you've accepted Christ, but you really haven't moved very much further from just saying yes to Jesus. There's really not a lot of fruit beyond that. You've, just, you've got your foot in the door, and that's kind of where you've stayed. And then you move on to this chair where there's a little bit more growth now, and this is like the child seat. And, and you've grown beyond just getting your foot in the door, but if we're really honest, those who are a spiritual child, and I don't mean in the way that Jesus said be like a child, I mean in the stages of growth, if you are a spiritual child, if we're really honest, you may have a lot of fun, but it's really all about you, okay? And so... Uh, group ministry is about you, uh, the church is about you, the music style is about you, everything is centered around you, because I, how many of you guys know that's kind of where kids are, and, and you, you kind of start, you can do some things for yourself, but you can't really do much for yourself, and so it's really all about you. 
And you come over here, and you're growing up a little bit. Now we've got kind of the, the teenager or the young adult. Now, what happens in this stage with people spiritually is significant. Because we've gone from just getting our foot in the door and it being all about us to now we have this awareness or this awakening that there are actually other people on the planet, right? And that there's somebody outside of me. And so even though there's still a lot that it's about me when I'm in this chair, I've started to realize that maybe I have something to contribute to society. Maybe I have something that I can contribute and I can give and there are other people who I could show love to or I could give to or help. And then when you move over to this one, which is the tallest one over here, this is really what I call spiritual mothers and fathers. This is where you realize these people here, they can reproduce. In other words, they can make disciples. They, can, uh, they begin to see that it's not just about them. They can pour and invest in all of these other areas and begin to even reach people in a different way, uh, even over here. And so we have all these different stages of growth. And what I really want to say about that is a very simple idea. Did you realize that your spiritual growth can actually be measured? And, and it, it usually involves on what, you, what seat you're sitting in and what you say when you're sitting in that seat. And, and your spiritual growth can actually be measured. And I just want to set the foundation because what I'm going to talk about next is really where I want to go with this. I believe that one, one of the reasons why we stagnate in our growth is because we have selective hearing. So let me explain what this means. So sometimes we won't move from one chair to the next because we have selective hearing. We mostly listen to just one type of voice in our life. And I've boiled it down to this. The, the, the voices that we generally listen to are, number one, what I call trailblazers. And trailblazers are people who have gone before us Maybe they are in our field. Maybe they are going where we want to go. Uh, we need people that are in our lane, that are in our tribe, that are going where we're going. I have people in my life that I call trailblazers. They're pastors that have gone before, that they're ahead of where I'm at, that they've grown further than where I'm at. And so I've got guys like that in my life. I've got people like that in my life who are trailblazers, who are further down the road than where I am, and they begin to pull me towards them. And, and I begin to listen to those voices, and as I do, I begin to grow in God. But, but that's where a lot of people just stop. They stop at the trailblazers. They stop at the people who have been where they, have, or where they want to go. And I believe a lot of us miss a second category. And the second category that I, I've identified here is what I call truth carriers. So we have trailblazers who have gone where you want to go, but then there are truth carriers. And here's one of the common mistakes I believe all of us have probably made at some point in our life, and it's this. We begin to say that if you haven't been through what I've been through, or if you're not going where I want to go, then you don't really have much to speak into my life. And we end up cutting off People who are truth carriers, and I've seen it personally, I've seen it pastorally, and here's usually how it looks. So I'm going to step on toes today, if that's all right, okay? You didn't, I didn't need your permission, okay. Um, but here's how it usually plays out, and it goes like this. Well, if you haven't experienced the type of loss that I have, you have no right to speak into my life about this issue. If you haven't experienced my pain, then you have nothing to speak into my issue. If you haven't been in my situation, then you have nothing to speak to me. If you aren't part of my tribe, 
you have nothing to say to me because I'm going in this direction. And, this is, and most people will end up cutting off what I believe are truth carriers because we're only looking to those who have gone where we want to go or where we have been. Can I just tell you, this is a dangerous perspective and it puts a lid on how far you really can grow. You may grow in some areas, but you may put a lid on how far you grow in other areas. And so I'll say it this way, selective hearing stagnates. Selective hearing stagnates our growth. And, and let me prove it, okay, because some of you guys are probably skeptical right now. You're like, no, why would I need to listen to somebody who hasn't been through what I've been through? Why would I need to listen to somebody who hasn't felt my pain or isn't part of my tribe? Why would I need to listen to that? They don't know. All right, let me, let me prove it by one, just one scripture, uh, a couple scriptures here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. How many of you guys heard this scripture before? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. This is one of the most iconic places in all of the Bible that talks about marriage and how to, have mar how to have a good marriage. And Paul begins to address this and he lays this out. Here's the problem. Paul was never married. What would a guy who's, who wasn't married, what would he have to say about marriage? How could he have any authority to speak on such a, a subject? It's because Paul wasn't a trailblazer in that area, but Paul was a truth carrier in that area. And, and so Paul was speaking truth. And so what I'm saying here is this, that God's plan for your growth isn't just that you would find trailblazers in your area where you want to go or where you have been, but that you would also find truth carriers whose wisdom are, is transferable to your situation. In fact, it may even be more beneficial that they bring truth from a different experience into your experience that you may never have seen before. So, so I'd say it this way, truth carriers are people who have transferable wisdom. And so many times we end up cutting off people and we don't grow because we don't think their wisdom applies to our situation. And so throughout this series, I want to introduce you to some people that have spoken into my life. And so recently, um, I had the opportunity to uh, get on a Zoom call with a good friend of mine who I met probably 20-something years ago. And even though we have some overlap, there was a lot of things that we just did not overlap in. And yet God used this person to speak into my life greatly. So watch this. I'm doing great. It's a little hot in the afternoons here. Probably will be 107 today. Wow. It's like 90-something so, today here, but that sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's dry heat. And... Uh, it's different than having the humidity, but I liken it to putting your head in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no place is it going to be good at 107. <laughs> That's crazy. So well, I, I play, golf, I play yeah. golf like at six in the morning. <laughs> Well, I just want to jump on here and talk real quick because um, I'm talking about this weekend about the difference between trailblazers like in our life, how we have some people that we listen to because they blaze a trail. They've been there 
where we want to go a little bit before us. And so we tend to listen to those people. Uh, sometimes we don't listen to another type of person, which is what I'm calling a truth carrier. And these are people who uh, maybe aren't exactly where we are or exactly in our stage of life or our situation, uh, but they have truth that's like transferable wisdom. And so I just thought of you because I, even though there's some areas that you've been a trailblazer, uh, there are other areas that we were just different, you know, and different right. stages of life, different situations. And so at 20 years old, my office gets put next to your office. <laughs> And I'm just a 20 year old, just newly married. You're in a totally different stage of life. I mean, I think you were a grandmother at that time. Right, and right. So I'm a man, you're a woman, I'm in youth ministry and you're doing women's ministry. And at the time I had no clue what women's ministry even was and probably didn't even care to know what happened over there. And so now my office is put next to yours. And so like, what did you think in that moment? Like, because for me, there's a temptation to just kind of write somebody off. Like, well, this person doesn't have any relevance to my life. They don't know what I'm going through. Um, you know, I'm totally in a different season. Um, and so I get put next to your office. And so what is it like for you when I get put next to your office? Is there a temptation for you to look at the same way or how does that work? No, probably not at all, Sean, because I'd already been where you were. I'd already work with youth. And I think it does work more the way you're addressing and that we, the older people get, we could tend to believe they're not relevant. And sometimes they're not, and sometimes they are. Wisdom doesn't come just because you're old, mm -hmm. but it can come in greater measures because of the years that you've had. And if you keep growing in the Lord, but no, I was quite interested in what you were doing. I think I've told you before when I would go in the mornings, I can't remember now how often, but in the sanctuary and yours, your uh, youth department was like a curtain away. I'm not even sure there was a door there, right. but I could hear you praying. Every time I was there, you were praying. So then I would pray for the youth too. And I was quite interested in what you were doing because it was such a greater level than what I had ever done, but I'd already been there. So mm -hmm. yeah, I can see why you would think like you did, especially what would you care about women's ministry <laughs> or the counseling I was doing? Let's not go <laughs> well, there. Okay. <laughs> I remember the counseling you were doing because I could hear it through the wall. And right. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that time when you whisked somebody out and I'm like, uh, can we counsel people that way? <laughs> <laughs> and you said, you said, I didn't know because I was escorting them out the door. I, I kind of was so frustrated and giving up. And I never say I'm a qualified counselor. I try to teach people the word. And if they refuse the word, then I can get pretty heated about that. <laughs> Maybe I'm calmer now. I doubt it. But you said, I didn't know we could counsel like that. And I said, you can't. Don't do what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I didn't know at that time that you had even done any youth ministry. So in my mind, I'm right. just, I'm interacting with you from a position like you don't know where I'm at. And so there's right. a temptation for me uh, to do that. But then I, so I remember seeing, and you may not remember this, uh, but I remember going to the hospital at times with you. And I would, I just remember at certain times I watched just how you were with people. 
and how you interacted with people. And it had nothing to do with whether it was about youth ministry or anything. Okay. It was okay. just people, you know, and I, so I could just watch that. And I was, I was recognizing how, um, I mean, it wasn't, you didn't have to teach me how to do a youth conference or how to, you know, right. interact with young people. I just could watch the wisdom and the truth that you carried throughout the years. And so I, I don't know. Did you learn that from somebody else? Did somebody else pour that into you or did you just have to figure yes. that out along the way? Yes, they did. My former pastor, Brother Don Palmer, uh, where I got saved and was there for 12 years before pioneering Cornerstone Church. I attribute everything I know to that man. And that's probably an overstatement, but he did teach me how to go to hospitals. I remember him saying to me, when you go, you know how much time you have to spend there. Maybe you have only five minutes, but he said, sit down and relax and appear to be there for much longer. And then I believe it causes you better to listen to the concerns of the people. I don't think it's a matter of protecting yourself as much as really be intent on what you're doing in this five minutes because because people can tell if we're in a hurry and we're looking at our watch or over our shoulder or mm -hmm. something and that was really wise and I wrote him a letter years ago thanking him for everything he'd poured into my life and I said I will not blame you for the way I counsel <laughs> <laughs> so in that way I'm benefiting from him I mean, what he you, poured into you, and I've never even met him, you know? Yeah, and he's deceased now, and he was, if you, a woman can have a male mentor, he was my greatest mentor, uh, because I was newly saved, and so I'm learning the word for the first time, I'm learning out of the spirit of God, for really, for the first time, but more than anything, I was watching the character mm. of this man, mm -hmm. and it, it it was just excellent. Mm -hmm. And so I learned that more than anything from him. And then he enjoyed watching me later in ministry, knowing that he poured his life into me. As a matter of fact, at one time, he told me, I believe you have a greater call than I do. I believe you will reach more people. Mm. And I've gone overseas so much more than he ever got to, and even in different churches. So what a compliment. I was re really I was flabbergasted when he said that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that's what I've, I've just seen that um, in you and seen that heart to pour out. So what are some of the things you, you're doing now? You were telling me about some stuff you even do on Thursdays or something that you're doing now. Well, uh, you know, I'm not the most patient person in the world. And I knew God had called us to come to Arizona. So I was hoping within the first month he would show me mysteriously what he'd called us to do and not so. It didn't happen really until this virus hit the nation and uh, we were doing some Zoom meetings. My neighbor gal who lives in Illinois half of the year, we just hit it off immediately spiritually like we'd known each other all of our lives and we attend the same church. And so she couldn't wait to take me to this women's prayer meeting. Well, the meeting is comprised of women 30 years younger, nobody is my age. They're all younger, but they accepted me immediately um, and because of her taking me there. And so we had to discontinue the meetings because we, we start Zooming the meetings. So I was mm -hmm. attending those, but the leader of that meeting, a 38 
eight-year-old young woman who knows the Bible frontward, backwards, knows the Spirit of God, who has been in the Lord since she was a little girl. And she asked me if I would take her place and teach this summer. And uh, so I decided absolutely yes. I didn't even have to pray about it, of course. And of course, the vision I have is from Psalm 71, uh, the psalmist is thanking God for their life, but also saying, now that I'm old and gray-headed, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to the generations to come. The mm -hmm. first meeting two or three weeks ago in our home, I realized four generations were in this room. I almost cried. Wow. I thought 11-year-old girl is here to hear me talk about how God talks to his people. Wow. And I have, of course how many years since 1971 of hearing the voice of God. So what a privilege uh, to be able to do that. So about 12 of us in our living room until Arizona now has spiked to number one of new cases. And I've shut it down for the moment and just go make a trip to Missouri <laughs> and uh, get out of this insane place here. And, uh, but that's what I'm uh, doing now is teaching the word and teaching women. Uh, I always revise a message. I think the first message I spoke for Word of Life Church and the women's group was how to hear the voice of God. Um, but now I've revised it. To me, it's more learning how God talks to his people. Mm -hmm. And then I teach people to have good listening skills because mm -hmm. if you can't even listen when you're in the natural, how are you going to hear God? So right. I've done, I keep rewriting and adding to it. There's no end. And, and uh, that's just the way it is. As you know, when you yeah. teach and preach, there's no end to what you can say. <laughs> so well, it's a that's what, really what I'm talking about as far as like listening, learning to listen to other voices. And you're just such a great example. Yeah. I just want to let you, you know, uh, as we wrap it up here, that I respect you so much. I'm so thankful for what you poured into my life and the patience you had to have with me at times. I know that because we, we're similar personalities, I think, too. Oh, yeah, so, very much. <laughs> but I've learned so much from you and Thank just you. being willing to, to look past maybe some of the areas that maybe we weren't the same to allow God to use you to speak into my life is now having fruit. Um, for, uh, I mean, more fruit than I could even imagine. And so I'm so thankful for that. And I just want to let you know, I honor you. I respect you. And thank, thank you for you. taking the time to do this with us today. You are welcome. Likewise, I respect you and Becca so much. I'm so excited to see what you are doing in Liberty. We still live there. We'd still be coming. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That is Linda Buckle. I've known her for many, many years. She lives in Phoenix or around Phoenix area. Uh, now, um, so thankful for people that God's put in my life. You know, if you start looking around, God puts people in your life, you know. Uh, so there's an example of this spiritual growth thing that happens, and it's found in the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, it says this, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. 
They took this idea and this scripture, and when the Passover meal, they would have these four cups of wine that would happen throughout the meal, and each cup would be represented by one of these I will statements, and they would represent something. Now, the first cup was the cup of sanctification, and it was represented by that statement that I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. This was painting a picture of what happened to the Israelites when they were brought, they were under slavery in Egypt, but they were brought out, and so it was one of the promises that they remembered as they took that first cup. And, and we can see that if we bring it over into the new covenant. This, is, this represents the first chair. It represents when we're rescued from sin. It represents when we are restated into right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so that's the first cup. And then the second cup was the cup of deliverance. And so it's a little bit further along. And it's tied into this statement. I will deliver you from being slaves. And so... What happened is they set them free from slavery, but the second chair, the second cup, is not just about getting out of Egypt, but it was about getting the Egypt out of them. How many of you guys know that even after you're saved, you still have some, some ways that you have to renew your mind to and begin to shake off? And so the second cup was, was about not just getting them out of Egypt, but it's about delivering them and getting the Egypt out of them. And then it would move on to the third cup, the cup of redemption. This cup here was tied into the statement, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. God's redemption is all about putting us in a place where we can be used to the capacity and to the fullness of what God has for us. So he's putting us on mission in this cup or in this chair. And the fourth cup is called the cup of praise. And it was tied to this, I will take you as my own people and be your God. And it was really the cup of halal or the cup of fulfillment. And this is about experiencing the full life of God, the abundant life of God. If we bring all of this into the new covenant, we can see the gospel here. We can see what God wants to do. He rescues us from sin. He, gets, he delivers us out of Egypt. He delivers us and he puts us on mission and to live the fullness that God has for us. And it's all represented in these stages. And so what happened, the Israelites, they had experienced the first cup while they were in, they'd been out of Egypt, but they were wandering around the wilderness. The first cup was amazing. It was literal salvation, right? They had been saved out of Egypt, literal salvation. For us in the new covenant, what does that look like? That means that we have been made right with Jesus. We've been made right with God. We've been given the righteousness of God. It means that spiritually we are brand new creations. It means that we are be, being given brand new DNA spiritually. It's like our fingerprints are new. It's like a spy movie, right? Where you erase one identity and you have a completely new one. That's what happens and that's amazing. But that's just the first cup. That's just the first chair. And that's where many, see the Israelites were so glad to be out of Egypt, that they ended up just staying at the first chair. And as amazing as the first cup or the first chair was, and it was amazing, they, there had been enough of a change from their old life to the new life that that was enough to satisfy them. And the same is true for us as believers. Sometimes it's so awesome just to be in Christ that it's like we, we forget that there are other chairs that God wants us to grow into. We forget that there are other things that God wants to do. So, and, and we forget about that. And just as it was true for them, God had more. He didn't want them just to come out of Egypt. He wanted to get, take them where? To what? A promised land, right? And just as it was for them, there was more. Just as it is for us, there is also more. 
And here's what we have to understand. Whenever you are in one of these chairs, or you want to be in maybe a different chair, you never drift up a level. You always drift down a level. I've said it before, but like when you're eating on a diet or something, you never drift into broccoli, right? You end up drifting into ice cream or chocolate. You end up, if you drift, you drift down, right? The same is true here. You never drift up a level. You never drift up in that way. I like Mark Batterson's quote. He said this. He said, some people have been following Jesus, and I've shared this before, but some people have been following Jesus for 25 years. Problem is they don't have 25 years of experience. They have one year repeated 25 times because they're still in this first chair. And so, so as we wrap this up today, I, I want to... Um, Finish up with the spies. Remember, the, the, they'd been out of Egypt, and now Moses wants to send some spies into the promised land. So he sends them out, and in Numbers chapter 13, verse 27, it says, And they told him, they came back after 40 days, they told him, they said, We came to the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. It's a good place, right? And, it, and this is his fruit. They brought back samples, right? How many of you guys love to go into places with samples, free samples? They brought them back. They said, However... The people who dwell in the land, they are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell there in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, a bunch of Ites, Amorites dwell in the hill country. How many of you guys just skip over that stuff sometimes? I do. I try sometimes. But. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb, remember, there's two spies out of the 12 that said, we can do this, and the other 10 said, we cannot. But Caleb, he quieted the people, and he said, before Moses, and he said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we are. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And they, we seem to ourselves as grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. What happened? They stayed in the first chair for 40 years. They were happy to just be out of Egypt. And even at that, they were whining about that. Okay? They, they, they stayed in the first chair and I want you to see something here. I want you to see something. That, that just as there are truth carriers in our life that may not be in our field or have gone where we're going that we need to receive from, if that's true, then the inverse of that is true, which means that just because someone has gone where you're going, it doesn't mean they have the right wisdom to bring back to you. See, these there were 10 spies who had gone where they wanted to go, and yet their advice was wrong. And so I caution you because sometimes there are people who have been in our lane and have gone where we've been, have been through what we've been through, and we end up receiving their advice or their counsel, and it may be advice or counsel that's bad advice or counsel because it's coming from a place of fear, a place of bitterness, a place of offense, a place of whatever. Just because someone has been where you're going doesn't mean they have the right message to carry back to you. Now, let's fast forward. I'm wrapping up, I promise. Let's fast forward. We go all the way, 40 years later, Moses has now died and Joshua's in charge. Joshua chapter one, verse one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, 
The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. And just as I promised Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great south, towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And then watch this, verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore their, for, their fathers to give to them. He gives them this instruction, be strong and create, courageous, which was the exact opposite of what the previous generation was being. They were being timid and fearful. He says, be strong and courageous. And what I'm, say, I'm saying is this, and wrapping all this up, why do we need to grow? Why do we need to grow into new places? And here's, here's what it is. What it took to bring them out of Egypt is not the same thing that it took to bring them into the promised land. Moses was one type of leader, and he led them out of Egypt. But it took a different type of leader in Joshua to bring them into the promised land. What I'm saying is that many of us, we have dreams, we have callings, we have things that God wants us to do. We have places that we want to get into or go or do or whatever. And I'm saying that what it took to bring you to this last place may not be what it takes to bring you into this new place. Who you are that took to get you out of Egypt is not the same person that you'll have to be to get you into the promised land. And some of us need to evaluate in our hearts right now, and I'm gonna have the worship team come back up, and I'm just gonna give you three, three quick things. No, no scriptures or points attached to them, just three thoughts as they're coming. And the first thought is this. Be honest about what level, what chair, what cup you're really at. See, here's what a lot of people do. They want to be here, and so they imagine themselves as here. But, but really, if we're really honest, and we look at our, the fruit of our life, the fruit of our heart, the fruit of our obedience, the fruit of our attitudes, the fruit of our relationships, we're really here, maybe, maybe over here. So, so be honest as to what chair you're actually in. And the second thing I would, I would say is, ask this question, who, not, not what, but who do I need to become to grow to the next level? Because we get so focused on the what and on the doing, and really it's about who, and really that comes through relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'll talk about that in a couple weeks. And then the, the last thing is this, what voice do I need to add to my life that maybe I've shut out? Maybe there's somebody that you've just written off because they said something that you didn't like one time or maybe because they're not in your lane or maybe because you've had a hard time leaning in. But maybe in order to grow, we have to stop having selective hearing and we have to open ourselves up to different voices. Maybe the Holy Spirit is leading people into our life and strategically positioning your office next to somebody else's office. Maybe, maybe a friendship next to your friendship. Or, and we have to be open before God and say, God, I really want to grow because what got me to this place is not going to be what it takes to get me to the next place. 
Who I was that brought me here is not who I have to be to get into there. And so we're just going to, as we wrap up today, and I'm just going to kind of, Pastor Aaron's preaching next week, but I'm going to, really part two of this message is happening in two weeks. But really the way we really grow in this is based on the finished work of Jesus and the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. And that's where we open up our hearts and we say, God, I want to grow. Where do I need to be? Who do I need to be? Who do I need to listen to? Holy Spirit, come. Have your way. Rearrange my heart. Rearrange my attitudes. Rearrange my perspective. Give me your love. Give me your ideas. Give me your thoughts. So let's go ahead and let's stand up as we close in prayer and close in worship. God, we thank you so much that you want us to grow because you want what's best for us and that there are places that you want us to explore and to go and to dream and to serve and to live and to be and to lives you want us to touch that we haven't even scratched the surface of yet. And Lord, we want to be ready when the opportunities come. We don't want to spend 40 years in one chair. We want to grow in abundance to experience the fullness of all that you have for us today, God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.